As you know, God values harmony in relationships. And God also values unity in his body called the church. And God calls us as a church to be on mission with him, to fulfill the great commission in our generation. And the motion of moving together in such an eternity-shaping, destiny-defining mission can generate friction. Think about in your own sphere of influence. Think about in your own family. Think about in your workplace or the team you're on or the squad you're a part of, the homeschool co-op you're connected to. Think about the different environments you're in and the relationships that you're connected to. What you'll discover is that relational strain can be a dream. It can literally affect you physically and emotionally. And the question is, how do you navigate relationships that can become toxic or even cause you to live in the reality of being separated together? That's called life. That's called doing life on a broken planet in a fallen world. And when you bring those relationships into the church of the living God, what you'll discover is that unity strengthens our stability and then elevates our gospel witness to a watching world. God rewards our unity, and our unity becomes a threat to the enemy. So the enemy seeks to attack the local church, the body of Christ, by attacking the unity because he knows that if he disrupts the unity, then we lose our power and our influence and our stability as a body. So what erodes unity in the church? What erodes unity in relationships? What erodes unity in families? What erodes unity, unity in the workplace? Well, let me give you a word. Gossip. Gossip threatens harmony within the body of Christ. And gossip threatens unity within the body. Gossip is this. When you say something behind someone's back that you would not say to their face, that's gossip. Flattery, on the other hand, is exaggerated verbal communication. So flattery is when you say something to someone's face that you would never say behind their back. So gossip and flattery erode unity. And then there's something more subtle in relationships and more subtle in the local church. And I want to give you this word. It's called suspicion. Suspicion. Suspicion is when you don't trust a person's motives and you begin to no longer give them the benefit of the doubt. Suspicion, therefore, poisons unity. So we have gossip, we have flattery, and we have suspicion. Now, there's a longer list, but I think that's probably enough for now. Here's what I want you to write down. Everybody is responsible for the unity of the body of Christ. Everybody is responsible for the unity of the body of Christ. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. It's hard to believe we're already in chapter 4 as we continue our series, Vision 2020, following Jesus every day. And following Jesus every day includes cultivating harmony, protecting unity, 
Many of you are members of Champion Force, and uh, some of you are checking us out right now, saying we're just checking you out to see if this is a church we'd like to be connected to, if this is a body that we want to identify with, and we pray that you'll continue to check us out. Now, a great place to check us out is on March 22nd in our student building at 930. We're having a membership orientation. It's for you to come check out our membership. What does it mean to be a member? What's our vision, our strategy? What are we on mission for? What are we giving our lives to? And you can just check out membership. What would it be like to be a member of Champion Forest Baptist Church? And here's what you'll discover. Every member has to sign a membership covenant. To become part of this body, you sign a membership covenant. And I want to share it with you. Some of you have seen it. Some of you, maybe you haven't. Here it is. Having received Christ as my Lord and Savior and having been baptized. So when you go through membership class, if you haven't been baptized, we'll schedule your baptism. And being in agreement with the CFPC mission and strategy, I feel led by the Spirit to unite with the CFPC family. In doing so, I commit myself to God and to other members of Champion Forest Baptist Church to do the following. And you literally sign off on these four items. Number one, I will protect the unity of of my church. Number two, I will share the responsibility of my church. Number three, I will serve the ministry of my church. And then number four, I will support the testimony of my church. Now, what's number one? Say it with me. I will protect the unity of my church. Now, why do we value unity at that level? Because God values unity at that level. And God rewards unity and harmony in his body. So what I want to do this morning is give you steps to take for unity's sake. If you'll write that down, steps to take for unity's sake. And we're in Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at two verses here. Are you ready for it? Say amen. amen. Look at verse 2. I entreat you, Odia, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Euodia and Syntyche. Now remember the context. Paul is 850 miles away in Rome. He's under house arrest, chained to a Roman soldier. He's writing a church that he had started 10 years prior. He gave birth to as a church planter. Here they are 10 years later meeting as a church called the church at Philippi. Paul writes them this love letter. We're reading this love letter. We're studying it. We're preaching this inspired word from God. And imagine being at the church at Philippi on a Sunday morning or a Saturday, if they would have embraced a Saturday. And just think about being in the congregation and this Philippian letter is read, this letter from Paul to the church at Philippi. And you're one of the two women about to be named, called out in front of everybody. That'd be a tense moment, wouldn't it? Now, before you think too badly of these two women... What I want you to understand is Euodia and Syntyche are faithful members of the Philippian church. They have served Paul faithfully by laboring side by side with him in the gospel. They've served faithfully and sacrificially with other members of the church. And their names are in the book of life. Paul is very clear about that. They have eternal security. 
They are followers of Jesus Christ. They're children of God. They are wearing the same Jesus jersey that we're wearing today. They're part of the family. And yet something's going on between the two that has generated an issue for the church. Some type of tension has developed between Euodia and Syntyche, which has threatened the unity of the church. And Paul doesn't specify the source of their conflict, nor does he identify the length of their conflict. But Paul clarifies the need for their conflict to be resolved for unity's sake and for the sake of the gospel. Here's what I want you to think about. If you are going to have a real relationship, if you're going to have what's called an authentic relationship with another person, if you're going to have a real relationship with others, you will have conflicts. The question is not, will we have conflict? The question is, how will we resolve the conflicts that arise? And here's what Paul says in, his, in the word. Agree in the Lord. Paul says to Yodi and Syntyche, agree in the Lord. The two of you come together and agree in the Lord. Now, what does that look like? Well, he mentions it in chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm, listen carefully, in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He gives us the same concept in chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So Paul says, agree in the Lord. Come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come into alignment. Don't allow gossip or flattery or suspicion to seep in to your relationships. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I want to just make this so practical where you can plug it in on a Monday morning. Regardless of what environment you're going into, regardless of what you're dealing with as a family member, at, in your workplace, at school, on a team, any environment you're in, you may be traveling, traveling internationally. You may be relating to someone in work that has become difficult or toxic in your life. So I'm going to give you three scenarios. And they're gonna, there will be a scenario that you're like, okay, that's me. That's what I'm in right now. And you're going to lean in. And you'll listen to the other two, knowing they may come your way one day. But one of these three scenarios may be your current reality. And I want you to lean in as we walk through these together. Here's scenario number one, if you'll write it down. What do you do? When you have offended someone, it's on you. You offended them. You sent the text. You said the word. You sent the email. Or it's something you should have said, something you should have texted, something you should have emailed, or something you should have done. But you offended someone. How do you respond to that? What do you do now that they've been offended by you? you'll write down Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. If you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, remember in James 3, James says that no one can tame the tongue. It's like a 
ruthless evil, a deadly poison. If you've been ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Steps to take for unity's sake. Here's step number one, if you'll write it down. When you've offended someone, here's step number one, accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. In other words, own it. Own it. Don't place that on someone else or blame someone else. Accept responsibility. Number two, embody humility. That's a major move. And it's not natural for us to embody humility. We go into what's called self-preservation mode, survival mode. We're going to protect our hearts. We're going to protect ourselves. And not only that, we want to win. And we have to embody humility. We see that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Here's step three. Go and press your plea. That's on us. That we're going to have to get involved. Instead of standing back and saying, well, it'll just work itself out. We're just going to watch it work itself out. That would be like going out in your front yard and you have these beautiful flowers and say, we're just going to let it go and and just let it have its way. Our flower bed, you're on your own. We're just going to step back and watch it go. Well, you come back a year later and your flower bed will be infested and overcome with weeds. So go and press your plea. The Bible teaches to go directly to the person to resolve the conflict. As you know, I read through the Bible every day in a chronological way through the YouVersion app. And this year, the translation I've chosen to read through is the, the message by Eugene Peterson. It's been an incredible journey. And I'm also reading a chapter of Proverbs each day. If you'll read a chapter of Proverbs each day, and in one month you'll read through the entire book of Proverbs, which is the the book of wisdom. And in one year, you'll read through that one book in the Bible 12 times. And in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So when you go and you press your plea, let your words be gracious as a honeycomb. And then step four, ask for forgiveness. Oh, that's so hard. I don't want to admit that I'm the one that offended. I don't want to admit that I'm the one that needs to ask for their forgiveness because of what I said or what I sent or what I didn't do or what I didn't say. Will you forgive me? Do you see why it takes humility? Do you see why it takes brokenness? Do you see why you have to go and initiate this conversation And you ask for forgiveness. That's what you do when you have offended someone. Listen, that's hard to do. It's a challenge. You just want it to go away. You want it to disappear. But it will still wake you up early in the morning. It will still keep you up late at night until there's restoration and reconciliation and unity restored. Let me give you another scenario. Scenario number two. What do you do when someone has offended you? Oh, 
So now you didn't offend anybody. They offended you. You're the offended one. You're the one who's been wounded. You're the one who's been betrayed. You're the one who's been misunderstood. You're the one who's hurting because you are the one that has been offended. How do you respond to that? If you'll write down Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between the two of you, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Remember, the the goal is restoration, reconciliation, healing. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. What's the goal? Restoration, conflict resolution, healing. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Whoa. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Well, that's a major process. Steps to take for unity's sake. Step one, when someone has offended you. Step one, one one-on-one. You go one-on-one. That's the biblical response when someone has offended you. You go one-on-one. Now, let me just share this. You have to be willing to have awkward conversations because this is not easy. When you're going to someone to let them know they have offended you, what are they going to do by nature? They're going to get, they're going to get defensive, right? That's a natural response because you're about to confront them because they've offended you. Their natural response is to bow up and to be self-protective. And you go one-on-one. And you have to be willing to have awkward conversations. Listen, this is an awkward moment. And you have to be willing to have those awkward conversations to get to a healthy place. So plan on having these Euodian Sintiki conversations for the good of the church and for the glory of Christ. Now, my recommendation, and I do a lot of conflict resolution with almost 13,000 members at Champion Forest Baptist Church and almost 400 employees, and I'm chief of staff, I do a lot of conflict resolution in a very healthy church. But it's just a lot of moving parts. As I said in my opening, motion causes friction, especially when you're on mission. So my preference is in conflict resolution, we'll meet for lunch. Because I've discovered as your stomach is happy, your belly is expanding, the conversation is going to be flowing at a much better level. And sometimes you have to wait till after dessert to get down to what's real. But you're willing to do whatever it takes to go one-on-one and have those awkward conversations to bring about that healing and that restoration. Here's step two. If there's no reconciliation, no repentance, and the healing hasn't occurred, and the conflict not resolved, you go to step two, which is what? Two-on-one. That's where you bring somebody with you. You bring in another person to go with you, to go back into that conversation with that individual, to go to a deeper level. And the goal is restoration, resolve the conflict, have a breakthrough. So sometimes one-on-one doesn't take you there. And you bring somebody else into the journey with you in order to go back into that conversation with the individual. Here's step three. If there's no resolution, no restoration, then you have to go to the church. You get your pastors involved. 
You get spiritual leaders involved. You get the church family involved. And you go to that next level of intensity. And the goal is restoration, repentance, brokenness, and healing. That's the goal. And that's how you respond when someone has offended you. And ultimately, you have to extend forgiveness. You extend forgiveness. And you've heard me say this so many times. When you forgive someone... Forgiveness is immediate. Trust takes time. And when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean you give them your heart back in a sledgehammer and say, I forgive you. Here's my heart. Here's a sledgehammer. Smash it anytime you want. No, they have to become trustworthy before you entrust your heart back to them again. Well, here's scenario three. What's scenario one? When you have offended someone. Scenario two, when someone has offended you. Here's our third scenario. What do you do when someone needs your help to resolve conflict? What do you do then? This has nothing to do with you. This is somebody else. This has nothing to do with you. You're just noticing something going on. You notice this tension in the relationship. You are hearing about this suspicion and this distrust and this toxicity and this poison going through your family or poison going through the organization or poison going through the team or poison going through the squad or poison going through the workplace. And you see it. And now you're wondering, am I to get involved in this? So what do you do when someone needs your help to resolve conflict? Look at our passage again in Philippians 4, 2 and 3. I entreat you, Odie, and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also, you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And remember, this letter is being read to the church at Philippi. So he names Yodian and Syntyche. And then he says, my true companion, would you get involved? Now, when you study this concept of true companion, the language of the New Testament, true means genuine, authentic. It means legitimate. This word companion is a power word in the language of the New Testament. It could mean, if it's just simply sujigos, it just means yoke fellow. It means a comrade means someone in the yoke with you. And it speaks of a word picture of one of two oxen pulling the same load. And it's someone in the yoke with you carrying the same load. You're working together. And so Paul could be saying, true companion, and that person or people in the congregation would know who they are. Please get involved to help these women. It also could be a personal name, Sujigos. It could literally be an individual in the congregation that Paul is calling out, and he's not telling us by name here because everybody knows who it is. It could be the pastor. It could be another spiritual leader. It could be someone in the church body that Paul goes to for conflict resolution, but he doesn't even name them. He just says true companion, and everybody knows who Paul's talking about. And here's what he says. Help these women. And when you just read that in our English Bibles, you just say, oh, I see what's happening. They're just kind of watching this transpire, and there's conflict in the church between two women. And they're just kind of watching, and they kind of see where it's heading, and they're wondering, should I get involved? Or, you know what, I'm just going to pray for them. God, just work that out, Lord. We're going to keep our distance. That's what you would think. Help, pray for them. We're going to pray for them. But when you study this word help in the language of the New Testament, it's an aggressive word. 
It's the same word used when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was seized. He was arrested. It's the same word used in Acts 12, 3 when Peter was arrested. Same word in Acts 23, 27 when they attempted to lynch Paul. It's an aggressive word. It's also used for seizing a huge catch of fish by net in Luke 5, 9. So it's not a passive word where you just disengage and disconnect and say, I hope everything works out. We'll pray for them. No, it's a word that says engage. Step into this reality in order to help and to benefit and to bless. So steps to take for unity's sake. Here's step one. When you need to help someone resolve conflict. Step one, pray for God's wisdom. Pray for God's wisdom. You are about to step into another ecosystem. When you're trying to help other people resolve their conflict, you are stepping into their ecosystem, their reality. Pray for God's wisdom. Step two, take the initiative to provide the help needed. In other words, what's motivating you? The love of God. You know that disunity breaks the heart of God. Disharmony erodes connectivity. And it will stifle the growth of any family, any organization, any church. And so you're not going to just step back and let that happen. You're going to engage. You're going to take the initiative to provide the help needed. Step three, close the gap between trust versus suspicion. Close the gap between trust versus suspicion. Here's why this is so important. Relationships are built on trust. One of my leadership books by Stephen Covey's son is called The Speed of Trust. That organizations can only move at the speed of trust. And he's so right on target. Relationships are built on trust. And when suspicion seeps into any relationship, you can become suspicious of somebody you love. You can become suspicious of somebody you work with. You can come, become suspicious about somebody's motives. And it evaporates trust. Have you ever experienced this? You're minding your own business, having a really good day. And out of nowhere, you receive a text message from somebody and it just tanks your whole day. One text message. And it ruins your day. And it bleeds into your weekend. And then you see them a few days later and they're so happy and bouncy, bouncy and everything's high five and how things going. And you're like, hey, tell me more about this text you sent. And they're like, oh man, that was just a joke. Blah, blah, blah. It, I didn't mean anything about that. Didn't you catch on to that? We're like, no, no, no. And you misunderstood a text or motive. And so you're closing the gap between trust versus suspicion by having an awkward conversation to get clarity because the enemy loves to leverage suspicion. And so you take the initiative to provide the help needed and you close the gap between trust versus suspicion. And what you're trying to do is get down to what's real. So when you're helping others resolve conflict, you're trying to get down to truth, the reality of what's going on, so that you can help bring restoration and healing.
Now, here's a verse I want you to write down. Matthew 5, 9. Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers. Who said that? Jesus. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Peacemakers. Now, here's three questions I want to ask you personally. Number one, have you offended someone? Have you offended someone? Number two, has someone offended you? Number three, is there someone needing your help to resolve conflict? Is there someone needing your help to resolve conflict? What I want to ask of you is I'm going to ask you to become a peacemaker. And a peacemaker does not mean become passive and step back. Peacemaking means step up and step in. Peacemaking can sometimes be confrontational, not with a mean spirit. You're going to go in humility and brokenness, but also with courage and clarity. Peacemaking sometimes is drawing the line in the sand. And that's exactly what my mother had to do when I was seven years of age. When my dad, because of his alcoholism, became so detrimental to the safety of our family and such a threat to our lives, literally, that my mother had to draw the line in the sand. And she had to embrace what Dr. Henry Cloud writes about in his book, Necessary Endings. She had to embrace a necessary ending to sever the relationship with my dad to protect the sanctity and safety of our home. Sometimes it means a necessary ending. But you, as a peacemaker, step up and step into the journey and the process and the ecosystem to do what you need to do to bring restoration, reconciliation, healing, and sometimes protection. In order for us to have peace with God, Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker, had to confront the reality of our sin, and he sacrificed his life to provide the forgiveness of our sin. So Jesus was willing to leave the glory of heaven to come address this gulf, this gap, this grand canyon between us and God. Our sin and his holiness, our unacceptability and his perfection, and Jesus took initiative. We offended God by our sin, and Jesus stepped in to be the ultimate bridge builder, the builder of the bridge of love, unconditional love, to reconcile us with our holy God. Jesus paid the ultimate price, living a sinless life and dying a sacrificial death to satisfy the full wrath of God, not for his own sin, but for our sin so that we could be reconciled to a holy God and be in a right relationship with him for all eternity. Aren't you thankful Jesus came into our ecosystem to address our mess? And it's called love. And sometimes love is confrontational. And he was willing to confront our sin. And he did everything necessary to pave the way for our salvation.
Are you grateful for that? Those of you who don't know the Lord, that's your invitation to come to Christ. He's already built the bridge of love to you. He's done all the work so that you can receive the gift of eternal life. I'm going to invite our prayer partners to move into place right now to my right, my left, your right, your left. And you're going to see prayer partners getting in place. I want you to identify one that you would want to go to to connect with. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to come to one of our prayer partners and just simply say, I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to know the Lord. Or just go up to him and say, you know what? I don't want to go to hell. Can you help me? And you can come to one of our prayer partners, and they will share with you how you can come to know the Lord and be saved. We ask men, go to men. Ladies, go to ladies. If you'll go, connect with a prayer partner. Then for those who already know the Lord, I'm going to challenge you to step up and be courageous. And if there's a strained relationship in your life, remember, relational strain can be such a drain. If you have a strained relationship in your life, maybe you've offended someone, they've offended you, or maybe there's just a strained relationship in your family tree or in the workplace or on a team or a group that you're connected to. And God has brought that to your attention, and you know you need to step in and step up and be a peacemaker. I'm going to invite you to be courageous during this song we're about to sing and just go to one of our prayer partners and say, would you pray with me for or would you pray with me about? You can even name a name. Say, would you pray for so-and-so? My heart's burdened for that person. Or would you pray for me as I have to deal with a difficult situation? I've got to be involved in conflict resolution. Would you pray and ask God to give me wisdom in that? And they'll pray with you personally right here. You don't have to say more than that. You don't have to pray anything. They'll do all the praying. We just want to build that bridge to you in prayer. So if you don't know the Lord, please come forward to one of our prayer partners and let them know you want to be saved. If there's a relationship in your life that needs attention or if there is tension in a relationship that needs resolution, if you would come to one of these and just ask them to pray for you. And here's what I want you to know. This is the safest place on the planet to be real. When you respond during this song, we're going to be worshiping God and praying. When you go to one of our prayer partners, no one's going to say, well, I wonder what's going on in their life. They're going to say, Lord, I pray for them as they walk forward right now that you'll give them a breakthrough. You'll minister to them. Listen, we're on the same team. We're for each other. And we're here to help one another and bear one another's burdens. But it takes courage to move forward during a song. And I understand that. We're so private in so many ways, but yet so public in so many other ways. This is what matters most, doing business with God here. Lord, would you have your way in our midst? God, bring boldness and courage to the family. And I just pray for those who don't know you, Lord, you'll draw them to yourself, that they will come into the family of God today. Lord, they will come to know you as Lord and Savior. And thank you for the love that you've already extended to them and how you've already paved the way for their salvation. And you paved the way by your mercy and grace. Lord, help us to love people at a whole new level. Give us wisdom and courage and boldness, Lord, as we step into different opportunities and relationships to bring resolution and reconciliation and healing and to restore harmony and, Lord, to protect unity, knowing that that's what you value. We want to reflect your heart as we engage in those relationships. Lord, have your way in us and through us. Give us a breakthrough. Bring revival. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's sing. You respond as the Lord leads. 
Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.